He's faster than a speeding bullet. He's able to leap over buildings in a single bound. Okay, not really. But he can single-handedly disrupt a baseball game. And he's just getting started. We're talking L.A. De La Cruz on today's Locked on Reds. You are Locked on Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction into information for you. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to us talk some Reds with you. We encourage you, if you're watching here on YouTube, please drop a thought in our comment section, drop a question, drop a, a comment, whatever you've got, uh, because we love talking Reds, and we want to talk Reds with you. And if you're listening on audio, hit us up on Twitter. You can find me at Jeff Carr with three Fs, and you can find Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. And we are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We are your team every day, and we're free and available on all podcasting platforms. Coming up on today's Lockdown Reds, we're going to talk about the man, the myth, the legend, Ellie De La Cruz. Dude absolutely set the baseball world on fire as soon as he was called up. And I feel as though... Uh, he is the perfect encapsulation of what is wrong with us baseball fans today. Plus, he showed good signs of a turnaround, and we'll tell you what that is uh, coming up later on today's show. Also, there were some awards that were given out. There were some awards finalists that were named that I thought the Reds had a shot for. And, and, and the Reds were shut out. So we're going to try and talk through all of that later on in today's podcast. Before we get to all of that, I wanted to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself and purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. And Steve, before we jump into the L.A. De La Cruz of it all, uh, there was an update yesterday that I am just perplexed about, and I'm sure you will be too. People Magazine named their most attractive podcaster, Taylor Lautner. Now, I did not think that Taylor Lautner had a chance in this race. I, I feel as though People Magazine is obviously not an everydayer of Locked On Reds because I'm Taylor Lautner, really? Is that where we're, yeah. we're going with Team Jake here? Come on. Didn't, didn't want to hurt your feelings, but when they called me up to see if I would accept the award, I went ahead and declined <laughs> it because they weren't going to give it to both of us, and I didn't want you to feel bad. Now, I didn't think they'd go off the deep end when I declined it, but this is where we are. I mean, I, I, come on. Podcasts, I think, when I think of podcasts, I think of Taylor Lautner. Are we, are we serious? Anyway, you know what? Let's get into what we know. We know Ellie De La Cruz. We know how electric he was whenever he caught up because few prospects have ever had a more electric debut than Ellie De La Cruz. Well, electric is right. Just in not only what he brought to the baseball field, but what he brought to the stadium. What he brought to the fan base, uh, you know, you and I, we've talked about this. You and I were there. Uh, we got to be in attendance when he made his major league debut. I had left town and already gone up to Springfield and, and hung a U-turn on I-70 and came right back down to Cincinnati to go to the game. You know, that's a good look for you. You should keep those on for, for the audio folks. Jeff has a pair of your sunglasses. And maybe if you wore those more, you would have won the sexiest podcaster alive award. 
but uh, too late, too little, too late. No, Ellie changed everything. Uh, you know, we talk about that Matt McClain was the beginning of the energy shift and, and started to turn things around and move this team in a whole different direction. And then the arrival of Ellie De La Cruz was the moment, I think, where everybody kind of sat up and paid attention and realized that this team was going for it and they were going to pull up whoever they could pull up that they thought was would help them win baseball games. And and Ellie didn't disappoint from, from the time he got to Cincinnati. Uh, you just never knew what you were going to see when he came into a baseball game. No, but you knew it was going to be awesome. And look, we'll talk about what he needs to do to take that next step here in a few minutes. I know that that's what's on everybody's mind with the way that he ended the season. But let's celebrate the awesomeness that we saw at the beginning there in June. Nobody, and, and, and I, I defy our friends over at the other Locked On MLB podcasts to tell me who had a better summer than Ellie De La Cruz because for his first month of his career, dude was on top of the world. I mean, think about this, Steve. First cycle since Eric Davis in Reds history. Check. Stealing second, third, and home in a single at bat. I mean, if you got up to get a beer, you missed the fact that he stole home. Check. Hardest hit ball by anyone on the team. I think he did it multiple times. Pretty sure the top five of the hardest hit balls on the list were all him. Check. And fastest throw by any position player in the league. Check. He did all of these things, and he absolutely just blew up as soon as he was caught up. He's the kind of guy, and we talked about him a lot before he was caught up, saying that, He's a generational talent. He he made it to the top of the list, whether you're looking at MOB Pipeline or MOB or, or uh, uh, pro, uh, Prospects. Um, you almost said MOB The Show, didn't you? MOB The Show, yeah. <laughs> uh, MOB or uh, Baseball America. That's, that's where it was. It didn't start with MOB. That's what's tripping me up. Baseball America. They all had him not as the number one Reds prospect, but the number one prospect in all of baseball. They all saw the talent and they see the where he could be and he showed it so very quickly there might be one time a season where there's a play in a game and i'm not talking about walk-offs i'm talking about just a play in a baseball game that has the result of me jumping up out of my chair and yelling in the living room might happen one time a season sometimes doesn't happen in 2022 it didn't happen but ellie de la cruz did it to me twice when he hit for the cycle, I'm up out of my chair yelling as as John Sadak is screaming it's a triple. I'm up out of my chair yelling right back at the TV. And then that, that steal of second, steal of third, steal of home is going to be one of those baseball memories that we're – it's one of those plays, Jeff, where we're all going to remember where we were and how we felt when that play went down because it was just one of those things that you never see. Never seen that before. We may never see it again for a guy to steal three bases on two pitches. Just, we may never see it. Uh, and, and Ellie is responsible for two of those moments, getting me up out of a chair screaming and yelling during a regular season baseball game. And it was just that much sweeter that he did it in Milwaukee, and he did it to – a relief pitcher that ended up killing the Reds the rest of the season and Elvis Pagaro. But I still have, and I'll always have that memory of the fact that Elvis Pagaro standing on the mound, like what the heck just happened? This guy just got a single and now he scored. What am I supposed to do about that? And there were so many different things, so many different moments where 
you saw opposing players, opposing pitchers with the looks on their face of just like, who is this guy? And it all started with his first career hit, his first career hit that he laces into the right center field gap. And really, it wasn't that hard hit of a ball. Like normally, it's a single for everyone else. And I, I still remember John Sadak's call of it. And he's like, and that's his first hit. And there he goes. And he rounds first as if it was an obvious double. And it wasn't. There are so many times that Ellie De La Cruz is going to take an extra base throughout the remainder of his very, what I hope to be, long career that is just going to baffle uh, spectators as we watch and just be like, how was that a double for him, for everyone else? It's a single, but Matt McClary, but, but Ellie De La Cruz is going to make it a double. And, and, you know, and that first month while everybody was still trying to figure him out, you know, you and I had him figured out already. Uh, there was some times we talked about things he did in the minor leagues and how he rope-a-doped people. And we said he was going to come be a disruption, and that's exactly what he did. That first month of the season, Jeff, I, I think people don't truly grasp just how great that first month was. Uh, he slashed 325, 361, 544 in his first <laughs> month as a major leaguer. That is just phenomenal. And it's numbers like that. And, and, and the things that he did, and I, I told you too that like – you know, baseball reference does this great thing where you can select a, 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 a stretch of games, you know, a sample size and extrapolate that out as to how it would look in a 162 game season. And just based on the production that he gave in his first month of the season, they said that if he continued that for 162 games, he'd have 28 home runs. He'd have a total of 90 extra base hits. He'd have 90 RBIs and he'd steal 72 bags. Like that is an insane, like those are MLB the show numbers. No kidding. But we know that's not realistic, but you can also do the same thing and extrapolate what he did in his time in 2023 and take that out to 162 games and have a good idea of the player that we think he could be in 2024. Yeah, exactly. You, you're looking at 21 homers, 58 stolen bases, and that is with him hitting 235. That's saying that he's not going to have a better batting average than that, which I believe he will. And and I and I think that's fair. I I truly believe that he is going to figure out his swing. You know, we saw him struggle. And uh, he's a big guy playing Major League Baseball. That is a huge strike zone to defend. I firmly believe he's going to spend this offseason working on closing some of those gaps, taking some of those holes out of his swing. And I think when he comes back in 2024, he's going to have some of those problems corrected. So I think 20 to 30 home runs is realistic. I think 60-plus stolen bases that's not out of the realm of possibility. I think that yeah. that could happen. And as far as the batting average goes, I think he'll be closer to 250 than he will 235. I agree with that. But it just goes to show you that electric start just gave us the taste of the greatness that Ellie could show throughout his career. Absolutely. And, and when you look at that greatness, uh, it is why... You threw me off, Jeff. You're supposed to be this read. The, the taste for Ellie's greatness is why the struggle that he had at the end of the year was so bitter. But coming up, we'll tell you why there's signs of a breakthrough even while he was slumping. 
Before I get into all that, though, I want to shout out the sponsor of today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. We spend a lot of time talking together, you and I. We get fired up together on wins and losses, who starts and who sits, and I'm thankful for that connection that we have. And today, I want our chat to be just a little more personal. Whether you're on extended travel, bracing for a major weather event, or limited by yet another supply chain shortage, you are covered. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical. Life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications can be ordered in a one-year supply. They even have ED generics for Cialis, Viagra, and Revatio prescriptions. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace. They said, in part, I am thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year's supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than my local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. If you or someone you love would like to get some peace of mind by having a year's supply of any of your daily meds, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember while you're there to use the promo code locked on to get $20 off your purchase. Thanks as always for making Locked on Reg your first listen every day. Every day is coming up on the next episode. It is Aloha Friday. We are going to be live on YouTube at 2 p.m. Eastern time. It's my favorite show of the week when we do this, y'all. I love talking baseball with you. Can't wait to hear your questions and your comments. Uh, We're looking really forward to it. Again, that's going to be 2 p.m. Eastern time right on YouTube. Make sure you click the subscribe button and the notification bell so you don't miss us anytime we go live or anytime we post something new. All right, Jeff, there was a slump from Ellie De La Cruz. There was a little disappointment. Some people even had the audacity to say he should be sent back to Louisville, back to AAA to work on things. That was not me. That was not you. But some people said that. But even in that slump, even what we saw when he was struggling at times, there's still a lot from his first season in Major League Baseball to be hopeful about and to be able to identify what he needs to do to take the next steps to be that 250 hitter with 30 home runs and 60 stolen bases that we think he can be in 2024. Yeah, and maybe let's let's not sugarcoat it. We think that Ellie can be one of the best players in Major League Baseball, and that's not. I, I do not think that that is a just outlandish thing to say. He's got the talent to do it, but in order to take that step, he's got to add consistency. He's got to add that plate discipline that we really didn't see early on, but we started to see it at the end of the season. I kind of have the season broken down. Almost in like two-thirds and one-third for him. He played 98 games, so I'll say his first 60 games versus his final 38 games is really where we started to see the change. In his first 60 games of his career, he was swinging at pitches outside the zone. He was chasing at pitches at almost a 40% rate because here's the thing. I mean, that's that's something that you expect a rookie to do. He's going to come up. He's going to be a free swinger. And when a guy like him hits 325 for the first month of his career, he doesn't believe he can do anything wrong. So he's going to be swinging at everything. That's exactly what he did. But he kept doing it for a whole other month. 
after the the meteoric rise because after the meteoric rise of 325 the fact that he ended the season with his batting average at 235 that shows you how much that fell off but if that's all you look at then you're going to miss the whole picture because that's where you get this chase rate and you're thinking oh my gosh he really needs to fix that well he started to fix it before the season even ended, we, we were saying, okay, during the offseason, he needs to really work on, you know, pitch recognition, things like that. His final 38 games, Steve, he only chased, swung at pitches outside the zone 28.3% of the time. He, he cut back over 11% on his chase rate. This dude knows how to adjust. That that is that is a great statistic, and if he can stay in that twenty eight percent range and force the opposing pitchers to throw him pitches in the zone, that's going to go a long way in getting him to be that guy that we think that he can be, and that and that the the Reds need him to be uh, a two fifty two sixty hitter, a a thirty home run power kind of guy, a sixty plus stolen base guy. Uh, the, the key to that is to get on base. The key to that is to get pitches to hit. And if he can continue to not chase, it's going to go a long way in propelling him forward to be this player that, you know, I agree with you that we think he can be, he he's going to be, listen, Jeff, I don't think it's a stretch to say that there for the next five or six years, if everything goes according to plan here at the beginning of 2024, he could become one of the faces of baseball. He could become one of the players that you see on every commercial on MLB Network and ESPN and nationally. Uh, he's going to be one of the faces that Major League Baseball uses to promote the game. He is exactly the kind of player that they want to be able to promote the game. I mean, he he plays the game with such swagger and has so much fun doing it. And he 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 does all the different celebrations. And but he's a great teammate as well. He uplifts his teammates whenever they do well. He is the kind of guy that is so easy to root for, so easy to gravitate behind. So the fact that he struggled so much and people started to wonder and, and and think about his fall in the lineup. His fall in the lineup was just indicative of how his season ended. He went from leading off or hitting third or hitting fourth to being seventh or eighth or down there in the bottom third of the order where those are the project guys. Those are the guys that if they get out, they don't hurt you so much, but Ellie is the kind of guy that you want there at the top of the lineup, getting more at bats and having more opportunities to affect the game. It's just toward the end of the season, he wasn't showing himself to, to be given that opportunity, but it's with these underlying things like the chase rate that he was showing his ability to adjust. It's something that he did at every level. And this was something we talked about as he came up through the minor leagues at single A, he struggled, and then he figured things out, and then he owned that league. He got up to Chattanooga and double A, and there was an adjustment period, and then he hit 400 the rest of his time in double A. And then he gets to Louisville, and there's a point where he's not hitting those home runs, and you're starting to think, maybe we figured him out. No, he makes that adjustment, and boom, he's off to the races there. This is just something that the game of Major League Baseball is all adjustments. You are adjusting. The pitchers are adjusting to you. Then you're adjusting to their adjustments. And it's something that a rookie has to learn. And I feel like once he understands this and once he understands how to go about his adjustments, we're going to be talking about the same thing. He's going to be taking over the league. This isn't going to be something where, you know, we, we talk about 250 
kind of being attainable number for his second year, that's not going to be his career average. That's not going to be the guy that he is. No, it's not. And you, it's easy for people to dismiss this, this chase rate and say that it doesn't have an impact and that we're, we're just trying to look for a positive number. Well, you can start at the chase rate and then see the impacts it has in other areas of his game. For example, when he improved his chase rate, he dramatically increased his walk percentage. He nearly doubled it. He went from 6.4 to 11.4% on his walk rate. What does that mean? That means he was on base. And we all know what can happen when Ellie De La Cruz is on base. The steals go up. The disruption goes up. The pitchers being chased from the game goes up. It goes on and on and on and on and on. And it all starts with Ellie having good professional at bats, not chasing bad pitches and, and forcing the pitchers to come at him. And once he does that, I, the sky's the limit. Exactly. And, and the key with this, the key with all of this is that the biggest question about how he can take a step forward is how he approaches at bats because he can affect the game with his bat. He can affect the game with his legs. He can affect the game with his arm. He can affect the game with his glove. He can affect the game with how hard he hits the ball. He is a true five-tool player, but if he's out here chasing at all these pitches and striking out too much, then all of that goes away because it's hard to keep him in the lineup. The fact that he was able to cut that chase rate down so much is the biggest sign to me that a breakthrough is coming, and it's going to be early in 2024 that we see it. And I, I, I love the fact that that's what we're looking at here. And, and he still hits the ball hard. He's got an average ex exit velo for the entire season of 91.2, which is three miles an hour over a league average. I, I, I think that there are so many signs that Ellie is fine and even better than fine. He's going to just be that electric player that we know he can be. And he's going to do it early in 2024. Oh, clearly the signs are there for, I don't even want to call it a turnaround. The signs are there for the breakout. You know, we've seen the introduction and now we're going to see the breakout. Exactly. And let's switch gears here a little bit, Steve, because, you know, an award, one award has been given out and others have named their finalists for different things. I thought Reds had a shot to maybe win coming up. We'll try and talk through why no meds or no reds made the finalist list for any of these awards. Before we do that, I wanted to remind you that you can follow us in between episodes. You can follow us on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. At you can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can follow Steve at S Hoffenbaker with two F's. And you can follow the show. At Lockdown Reds. You can also join the Lockdown Reds Discord page. Got the link down in the description of today's episode. A lot of great folks talking Reds baseball all throughout the season and all throughout the offseason as well. Plus, we've got, you know, Bengals chat, a lot of great stuff going on there. Check us out on the Lockdown Reds Discord page today. All right, Steve, uh, it's award season. You know, they gave out the gold gloves and things like that. One of the awards that I thought the Reds not necessarily had in the bag, but they had a really good shot to win was executive of the year. And they announced the executive of the year was Mike Elias from the Baltimore Orioles. So that meant that Nick Crawl was close, right? Wrong. He wasn't even in the top three. In fact, number two was Alex Anthopoulos from the Braves. And number three was our dude over there, uh, Mike, Mike Hazen, I believe his name is, uh, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So, guess what? 
all you got to do is win. You got to make the playoffs. You got to, you got to be win. You got to winning and you got to be popular and things like that. And then you win awards because it doesn't matter, you know, the, the, the turnaround that, that a team has if they don't make the playoffs. Obviously. So clearly, clearly Anthopolis should not be on this list. The Braves did exactly what they were expected to do, exactly what they were supposed to do, exactly what they were built to do. And they've been built to do that for several seasons now. Uh, really, I don't have a problem with the other two guys on the list. Both the Orioles and the Diamondbacks reached the postseason. Uh, they were able to, you know, I, I consider that a huge success. Uh, the Orioles, it was kind of expected. You thought that was probably where they were going to be, but that was the culmination of this process that their front office team started several years back. I can see why they're on the list. I can see why they won. Uh, same for the Diamondbacks. Uh, a, a huge turnaround, a, a tremendous rebuild of the system, uh, a team in place now that's going to be good for years. Uh, I can see why they were recognized. How Nick Kroll, who took a hundred loss team, churned its roster and filled it with players that just missed the playoffs that had a winning season after a hundred loss season, how he's not on this list. Well, you know what it shows, Jeff, here's what it shows. It's not about winning. It's not about, it's not about, you know, the success of your team. It's about the fact that Rob Manford hates Cincinnati. I, I've said this for a long time. Uh, the things that he does, the decisions that he makes, uh, the way that he acts towards the smaller market teams, uh, it is clear that there is a bias amongst him and his fellow executives there at Major League Baseball. And that's why you're not going to see Nick Crawl on this list. You're not going to see Rob Manfred give any kind of credit or attention to teams like Cincinnati that don't go out and have big, flashy, giant markets with big, flashy, giant payrolls. Well, and... It's kind of hard to argue that point whenever you look at the other awards, like manager of the year, David Bell, not named a finalist on that list. Uh, executive, or I'm sorry, we already rookie of the year. Uh, Corbin Carroll was going to win it. I get it. But Spencer so, Steer was not named as a finalist. That is just insane. It is. It's insane. Now, do you happen to know, because I don't know this and I, I don't have time to go look it up real quick, but do you know, is manager of the year also picked by the writers? I know that rookie of the year is picked by the writers. Yes. You know, if manager of the year is picked by the writers. Okay. So yeah, here, this yeah. has led me back around to, to one of my biggest grumbles. And you usually will hear this from me every hall of fame election season. It's time to take these decisions away from the writers. Uh, the writers do not do a good job with this. The writers do not, I don't think take this seriously. And you see that when they submit hall of fame ballots with no names checked or one name checked or one year, they don't check it. And the next year they do, they have demonstrated that they, they are not the, the keepers of baseball. They have demonstrated that they can't put themselves out of the way. Writers are not supposed to be the story. And every time the writers vote on any of these awards, any of these superlative things like Hall of Fame, they make themselves the story. And some of them thrive on it. And I am done with it. I want them to take it away from them. I want the players to vote for this, whether it's every player or if each team elects a representative to go vote on these things. I don't care. It should be the players. I'm done with this mess because the fact that Spencer Steer is not on here is a it's a travesty. Now I know I know people want to come in with well Matt McClain had more war and well he didn't play enough games and I know he, he had wasn't more on the list either and less games he wasn't on the list either but I, I feel like there was a threshold 
And Spencer Steer was around all season playing multiple positions and, and, and put up the numbers to deserve to be a finalist. Now, Corbin Carroll was always going to win this thing. He had this thing pretty much locked up since the All-Star break. And I'm okay with that. But for Spencer Steer to not even be recognized, for them to go with the dude from Los Angeles instead, yeah, instead of Spencer Steer, that's a joke. It's a, it's a, let's pick the next guy from the biggest market and we'll throw him out there. And and honestly, manager of the year was kind of the same way. They threw Brian Snitker on the manager of the year list again the Braves were always supposed to do what they did. Now the other two were Skip Schumacher and Tori Lovello, both very deserving of the award, but Mm -hmm. I'm sorry if the Braves get to be on this list, then let's just give them all the awards because they were the best team in the national league throughout 162 games, whatever. But if you're going to tell me what manager of the year is supposed to be about, it's supposed to be getting the most out of your team, then David Bell absolutely deserves to be a finalist of this award. Now, does he beat out Tori Lovello or Skip Schumacher, who both made the playoffs? Probably not. I I, 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 I uh, see that point. But he absolutely deserves to be one of the top three finalists on this team. Brian Snitker, you, me, Joe Schmo in the comments section could have managed that roster that Atlanta put together and would have been on the finalists for manager of the year. I mean, come on. That roster was ridiculous. They had the best lineup in the National League and probably the best pitching staff. It's like Sparky Anderson used to say about the Big Red Machine. His job was to just fill out the lineup card and stay out of the way. You know, that – and, and that's exactly what was going on in Atlanta. So, so for me, and, and look, and I can I can feel the fires catching on in the comment section over David Bell, manager of the year. There's going to be some there's going to be some pushback from Red <laughs> yes, fans always, on that. Always. But but listen, this team lost a hundred games in 2022. They won 82 games in 2023. And whether you're a David Bell fan or not. He should have been recognized for that. He should have been yes. recognized for the bubblegum and Band-Aid that he used to continue to have enough pitchers out there on the field to pitch every inning. Uh, he should have been recognized. I don't think he should have won. I, Skip Schumacher, in my opinion, yeah. is the guy that should win this award. But I think David Bell should have been recognized, just like what we were saying with Spencer Steer. It was always going to be Carroll, but Steer should have been recognized by – Major League Baseball as a whole. So th- that's where I fall on that. Now, I- I'm going to go look up after this and see if this was a- another writer's voted upon award because – Yes, it, it is. I did look sense. it up. To, okay. To so see, it's just it another – another. Uh, my new campaign is going to be just take it away from them. They, it needs to be – the players should vote on this. And amongst yeah. the managers, I don't know. Maybe just let anybody – all living former managers get to vote on the current manager of the year. I don't know. Anybody right, but the writers. That's where I'm at on this. Anybody but the writers. Anybody but the writers. So, ABW. I'm trying to think of a weird acronym for that. Anyway, before we get off the rails there, let's let's go ahead and end today's podcast on this fiery note of complaining and just throwing vitriol out at everybody. That's how we're going to end today's podcast. Thanks, everybody, for checking it out so much, uh, for making Lockdown Reds part of your day. If you are an everydayer, thank you so much. And if you're not, what are you doing? Make sure you do that. Hit subscribe. Get get that bell to get notified on YouTube whenever we got new stuff for you because we're going to be here all throughout the offseason. As rumors come out, as news come out, we're going to be here for you on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Why, Steve? Because we are going to be, uh, before we do that, 
We're live Friday, oh, 2 p.m. Yes, Eastern low time. Lie, baby. Low click lie. your subscribe button. Click your notification bell. We're live 2 p.m. Uh, and that's how we're going to keep you locked on Reds every single day. It's getting fired up there, man. I'm probably a good thing. And between your coughing fits. <laughs> fired up, man. Fired up. <laughs>